Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. Our first exercise here in the Eccentric Minute is the K-Box Squat. This is the granddaddy of all of them, guys. One that we use at all levels of our training with a vast array of athletes. A couple big tips. I like to use a, something for our hands to support it. Make sure that strap is completely taut to the top. Don't leave it short. Don't leave it long. What I really like the most about it, guys, the iso-inertial wheel, we're going to use this with other squats as well. The other squats are working to depth. These, we're going to get to an athletic position and work our way up. Push hard and make sure you're fighting to hit that breaking force. As we cut reps, we usually cut depth as well to make it a little bit more transferable to what we do. This is an awesome exercise that I can't recommend enough. Throw it in your training. It's going to be great for you and your athlete. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Before we get to the show, let's play a little game of name association. When I say the names Hank Krasenhoff, Dr. Natalia Verkashensky, Brett Bartholomew, Dr. Charlie Weingroff, Dr. Brian Mann, and Dr. Fergus Connolly, what do you think? Well, if the answer to that was they each have multiple lectures in the Strength Coach Network, then you would be right. On top of these sensational lectures from these six world leaders, we have well over 100 additional lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world, along with an extremely active forum where there's coaches from all over the world discussing everything in the strength and conditioning world. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash and you'll get your first month for half price. So either hop over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS or go ahead and hop down to the notes and click the link below to get your first month at half price. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today guys we have an absolutely killer discussion. I get to sit down and talk with Cam Joss about the process of reverse engineering sport. You know, we're, we're going to start out talking about, guys, how, how Cam started to work with Fergus Connolly and how this has led to them working on these book projects and has really helped him open his mind and his views of how the training process goes. And this includes the idea of reverse engineering sport, you know, and, and he shares with us, you know, not only what that means and, and how that is kind of worked in with the principles of his training program, but where he sees some mistakes that we may be making um, within the profession when it comes to this. You know, it, he then starts talking about how this includes like teaching um, tactics and the ideas of creating and filling or creating and constraining space when you're talking about offense and defensive players and how that has a vast impact, not just in how he programs athletes and their movement skills, but how it's improved their understanding of what he's trying to get them to do. And then he leads then into the idea of the cognitive and psychological aspects and how reverse engineering that aspect of the athlete is so important to understand how to better communicate with them situationally and overall to make them a better player. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Cam, thank you so much for spending the time with us today, man. Hey, man, this is like just something I've always wanted to do is be able to sit down and talk with you. Because when I was when I was an intern at South Carolina back in 2013, I was going through all the Central Virginia sports performance seminar videos, everything. 
I was buying all the videos, trying to look at all the books you guys were putting out with the seminars, which I thought was an awesome idea. And um, like your whole seminar, I've never actually been to the seminar and I'm kicking myself for having never actually been there in person. But uh, your work has really opened up and influenced so much of what what I come to understand. And I just want to say I'm thrilled to be on because I, I just love the fact that you've always had the mentality of this seminar where you're inviting all these people to come together shared literally from all over the world, right? You've had even like Natalia Verkashansky and all and Bondarchuk and these dudes coming in and, and presenting, right? And so I think that's that's just an awesome thing. The collaboration amongst coaches is all over the world. I love that. And uh you've been largely influence influential on me and I just want to say thanks for having me on. Well I appreciate the kind words, man. And I guess that we're just gonna have to get on Joe to send you down here next year. I know that we uh <laughs> we're kind of in a rough time for you guys when it comes to prepping your football players, which is what we want to talk about a bit today, is not just prepping football players, but prepping football players like a game changer. And you're in this project with uh, the Dr. Fergus Connolly, um, and I want to talk about that because this is some rad stuff because, you know, Game Changer is a heavy book, like literally, it's heavy, Um, but there's a lot in it too. And putting all these ideas and actually talking about how you can do it with a sport team, it's priceless. And I think that it's something that is really needed in the field. So let's wrap about that. How did this process start and what are you guys hoping to accomplish with it? Yeah, so it it really started with, I read Game Changer and it was just like putting on a new pair of glasses for me, right? Like I, I had been seeing everything through a certain lens and everything was just a lens of physical preparation. That's the only thing I was trying to understand was how do we, how do I improve guys in the strength and conditioning realm, get them as fit as possible. Um, that's the only thing I was thinking about. So after I read game changer, you know, in the past I had read a lot of stuff by other, uh, other authors and writers that talked about how we have to consider physical, psychological, tactical, and technical, right? I, I understood that, um, on paper, but I don't think I understood how deep that really went that entire rabbit hole. So when I read Game Changer and Fergus calls it the four coactive model, where he talks about each one of those four things being a coactive and he calls them coactives because they all come together and we have to understand how all of them interrelate and they all basically surround the player health, right? So if we put health in the middle, we put those four coactives around it. Those are all of the areas we have to consider when preparing a player for any sport. And so when I was reading his book, I think the biggest takeaway I had from his book was not the chapters on physical preparation because that while that stuff was great and I think a lot of coaches read it and they love that stuff too. But I, I, I believe that a lot of people probably skipped over the entire first section, which just talked about the game and understanding the game better and the principles of the game. And I think that's actually the most important chapter, that one and the last chapter where he talks about leadership qualities. So for me, when I was going through that information, you know, there's a million books out there that talk about strength conditioning, right? There's, there's so many, um, it's almost endless information. If you go on like Google scholar and type in anything related to the field, you can find thousands and thousands of research papers and things like that. So for me, the biggest takeaway from game changer was understanding the game in a better perspective. And that's what really got me interested in talking to him was like, how, how do I understand this roadmap? to understand the game better and how do we, how do I actually work backwards from the game? So we were just saying off air when we were talking how um, a lot of coaches understand I got to work backwards from the game, but I think a lot of them are just thinking in terms of physical prep. So they're just thinking, 
have to work backwards from the fitness qualities rather than everything else that goes into it. Whereas like, what's the player's mindset in the game? What's he have to understand tactically? How does that interplay with what he has to do technically? Um, and then how do we have the physical capacity to support all that from a foundational element? So that's what I then, that's the door that opened when I read that book. And that got me really into wanting to talk to Fergus. So I reached out, we had him on the podcast here at DeFranco's on Joe's Industrial Strength Show podcast. Really good conversation. And then from there, I just started saying, like, I think here's how we can apply some of this stuff to football more. And he was working in football at the time. So I wanted to hear his thoughts on all of that. And it eventually led to where he just said, why don't we like really sit down, take a take a while to discuss this stuff and put it on paper and turn it into a book series. And it's funny you mentioned how Game Changer is literally heavy, right? Like it's a big, heavy book. And so what he wanted to do is he wanted to make a series of books where we could have all the information we wanted to present, but just spread it out over like three to four different books and make them each smaller. So they're each kind of like a manual um, and make the book a little bit smaller where you can throw it in your bag, go on the airplane and read it on the plane or something. And it's not like carrying a dumbbell in your bag or something like that. So um, that's how that whole process got started, for lack of a better way to put it. That's the name of the book. But um, yeah, that, that, that was just the most fun I had was being able to sit with him and learn from all of his experience. And really the writing process for the book, for me, was taking all the work he had done and then just funneling it down into understandable chunks. So that was kind of like my job in the writing process was, he's like, here's all my work I've already done. And I said, great, how do I take this and make people understand it uh, on a more of a layman level, right? Because we want to be able to get people to understand these principles, but also be presented with examples for how they can use it in their coaching realms and things like that. Yeah. And even more importantly, be able to look at what you've done compared to what they're doing and then implement it in a positive sense with the coaches and the players that they work with. Right. Yeah. And that's really the entire premise of this book is that um, we're trying to foster better communication at all levels throughout the entire organization. And um, obviously me being in the private sector, not in the team setting, that's not something I have a ton of experience with. But he has all the experience from that standpoint. So a lot of those principles come from the work he's done in you know, professional soccer, professional rugby, NFL, college football, and just learning from all the great leaders and how uh, a lot of the best leaders, even in, you know, he's worked with a lot of uh, military personnel as well. And just this, this concept of this decentralized command where there's a definitive person in charge, right? There's always the head coach or the commander or whatever it might be. And that's the one who's our, our our definitive leader. But within that leadership role, what more often than not, the best leaders are capable of empowering those below them and making sure everybody feels like they have some part ownership in the entire process. And it's not a top-down dictatorship, micromanaging setup. Instead, it's like everybody in their role understands everybody else's role to some degree, right? You specialize in an area, certainly, but you should have a generalist idea of what everybody else is doing and understand how it all just comes together and funnels into what Fergus calls the commander's intent, which in sport, we're talking about just winning games. Like, how do we all come together to win games? How do we find success? And that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter how great my strength and conditioning program is if we're losing games. That doesn't make any sense, right? We have to win games. So how do we do that? How do we work together and figure that out? And that's really like the biggest lesson I learned talking to him and writing this book with him was trying to understand that process a little bit better. So then let's 
keep running down that rabbit hole, then how, how has this impacted Cam as a coach? How has this impacted the teams that you get to work with and the kids you get to work with down there? So for me, um, really, I, I don't get to work too much with their actual sport coaches. But what I do is I talk to these kids and I try to ask them and, and these guys, right? I work with some pro athletes as well. I try to understand what's the context in which they need to perform. And from there, I talk to them about what do they think is going to help them. And we communicate and find a middle ground. Um, so I think at some point I'd like to return to the team setting. I, I, I did an internship at South Carolina back in 2013. I worked in a high school setting for a little bit. I was uh, a defensive coordinator at a high school football team and also was their strength coach, which that was probably the most fun I've had in a long time. And then after that opportunity, I've just kind of been in this private sector setting. So in my immediate setting, what I'm doing is I'm talking to the kids. I'm trying to understand what their coach wants from them, because to me, that's the most important thing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I don't care what your coach wants. Here's what we do here at DeFranco's, and that's what we do. So Joe DeFranco, his whole thing is is he tries to put it out there and say, like, listen, we're not we don't have a set program here. We have to be adaptable. We have principles that we abide by that we believe in. But at the same time, we have to adapt those principles to suit what this person needs based on what they're going to do. So as a great example, I always say, if you're training football players, you know, what what do they have to do when they go back to their team? So if their team is a team that runs a big pro style, you know, heavy run based offense where they're smashing guys, I got to make sure the linemen I get in here and all the players that get in here are, are pretty strong and powerful guys, right? Because their whole premise their tactics of their game is making sure that they're able to go out and move guys physically and just explode through people whereas if i got a guy who's in a spread offense system where they're snapping the ball every 20 seconds and you know they just got to get into space and they got to move 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 i might tell them like hey you might have to lean out a little bit we got to work work more on the field we got to make sure you're you're as fast as we possibly can and that you're strong and powerful enough to have a foundation to support all of that but I need to make sure you're fit enough for your playbook, not because I just think a certain way in terms of strength and conditioning. I have to make sure you're prepared to do what you got to do when it comes to game day performance. So that's where that's that's what I try to do is I try to communicate and see where we can keep things pretty general. But then how do I also consider some of the more specialized um, characteristics that these guys are going to need when they go back to play for their teams? I love that. So let's keep running down that rabbit hole because now you're talking about something that we were talking about a little earlier too, and that's reverse engineering your program. And not just based on football, but based on the team. So talk about how Cam looks at that, how you break these things down and work your way backward to make sure that these young men are the best prep that they can possibly be. Well, a lot of it comes down to just a principled approach. Right. So we're trying to get them to understand principles. And I always say being in the private sector, I, I want to give them something they can take back with them and, and hold on to forever. So they might only be with me for like eight weeks. So at that during that time period, I need to make sure they understand certain principles that they can carry and go back. And, and, and that goes from what they're doing on the field all the way to the weight room. So like if we're talking strictly weight room. If I have a guy like let's say we're talking about just lifting and I can get him to understand neutral spine, good posture, uh, how to set up properly for certain lifts. Now, if he goes back to his strength coach at his college or in the NFL, it doesn't matter what that strength coach gives him in a way. Cause now I, I entrust him to do that with the right positioning, with the good technique. Like we, we, we take the time to, to develop that stuff here. Right. And so that that's a principled approach in the weight room. Now when we're talking about the field. That's where, 
like the principles you find in Game Changer and also what we present in the process series, that that's what really opened my eyes to that stuff, which was when we're using uh, more open reactive game type of activities um, and some of those those aspects in our training, I can present to them the information in principles. So if I got a guy who's playing offense, right, what's the most important offensive principle no matter what the sport might be, whether it's basketball or football or soccer, it's create space, right? So if we can just get that guy to understand that he has to create space now, no matter what he's doing in a game-based situation, if he's on the offensive side of the ball, he knows I need to get into space or I need to manipulate the guy across from me to make sure space opens up. So now that's just a very simple generalized approach. And obviously on the flip side of that, if I got a guy who's on defense, what what are we doing? We're constraining space now. So a lot of times, like I've had NFL guys that have come in and they've said things like, it took me all the way until I got to the NFL to understand why I need to block that linebacker, right? Because they're like, they're in college or something and the college coach is like, you go block the will linebacker. That's, that's what you got to do. He's like, okay, coach, I'll go do that. And then when they get to the NFL, they really understand why they need to do that. And I think that's kind of a backwards approach. They need to understand why they're doing things first and the principle behind it. Like, why do I need to block that guy? Well, because I need to create space for the ball carrier who's behind me. That's why I'm going to block him, right? We're trying to flow and attack the field vertically or attack the field to the width, whatever it might be. But it all comes back down to creating space and or constraining space if we're talking about defense. So um, that's what I try to do here is like no matter what the activity is, I'm trying to get them to understand just principles that are universal to those settings and how, you know, if they mess up on a drill, if I tell you to get by that guy and you can't get by him, I say, where are your eyes? What are you looking at? Like you got to make sure you're searching for space. You can't just think about like what move I'm going to make. If you start looking for space, the moves are going to happen almost automatically over time as you get better at, at scanning your environment, looking for space. So I just try to take a really principled approach here as best I can. I love that. And as a guy who played soccer and now works in college basketball with a team that runs a, people like to call us a Princeton-based system where all it is is create and fill space like soccer. I love how you bring that idea of constrain and create space. So then let me, let me kind of dive down that a little bit with you here. How much better do you think players would be if it was taught in reverse order? Instead of being like, you block him, it's understanding that idea of creating and filling space to increase their actual game performances. I think, I think it's huge because um, with anything else, I think it always improves learning if you teach the why first. Like, why are we doing this? And I think the what can then happen just kind of more holistically from there. So if you tell a guy like you got to get by this guy because you got to search for space and create space and find a way to get past him, like you're looking for space. You don't want to run right at him. Right. You got to figure out how to get him to be thrown off so you can move into space. At that point, they understand that concept first. Like, all right, I'm looking for space. Then from there, we can work backwards and say to the guy, like a lot of coaches that are critical of some of these open drills is they're like, well, how do we coach positions in these drills? I'm like, you can definitely do it because as an example, if you're trying to get by somebody and you don't succeed in doing that, I can take the guy to the side and say like, Hey, listen, like when you try to cut around him, maybe try to lower your center of mass a little bit, like sit in your hips a little bit more. You'll be a little bit more stable and a little bit stronger when you're coming out of that cut, you might cover more distance, which is going to create space and separation. So give that a try on the next one, right? You just So instead of just giving him a bunch of coaching cues at first, 
give them the principle, the idea at, at first and then work backwards from there. So like, first of all, tell, you know, if you spread it out to a sport comp uh, uh, context from there. Like I, I like the example of the wide receiver that doesn't want to run block. Right. It's just like, I just want to catch the ball and, and do my thing. But it's like, listen, like, just as an offensive principle, we got to create space. And we do that by passing the ball. We do that by running the ball. So if we decide we're going to run the ball on this play and you decide you don't want to block that guy, you're completely going against the principle of offensive play, which is create space. So if you're going against that, then you're affecting the, the 10 other guys on the field with you. And now you've messed up our opportunity to create space. Because guess what? If you block for that one play, we get a first down. And on the next play, we call a passing play. It might be your time to shine. That's where you're going to catch the ball and score a touchdown or something. So everybody gets theirs, right, as long as we understand the principles behind what we're doing. And that fosters better communication across the entire team, at which point they all understand together, like, all right, we're going to create space on this play by running the ball. The next play, we're going to create space by passing the ball. And it all just comes back down to that. So the what is then then follows the why, right? And that's that's kind of how I think about it. No, man, I couldn't agree more. And I think that that example is great because that also ties in that psychological aspect of creating and filling space, right? Like if your wide receiver were to block the player on play A and then goes at the guy and then cuts and then blows by him because the DB now thinks, uh-oh, I'm about to get freaking pancaked again. Right. You've just psychologically put yourself in a position over that individual where you now can create space. It's like the same idea as like a wing back checking to the ball twice and then all of a sudden you step and now you blow by the guy and it's a long ball in soccer and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah, exactly the same concept. And then in the book we outline, and he did this in Game Changer as well, but if you look at the macro principle of creating space, there's actually micro principles underneath that that now support how we figure out how to create space. And two of those things, one is balance, right? We got to be able to run the ball and pass the ball if we're talking about football. Um, or you can you can think of it as we got to attack downfield or to the width of the field or something like that. We got to have balance in our, in our system approach. We can't just go in one direction all the time. So that comes back to like, we got to be really good at making sure we can run block and running our pass routes if we're a wide receiver. And then another concept is misdirection. So exactly what you just said, if I'm coming at you on a run play and I block you, then if I make it look like I'm coming at you to run block you, I can now fool you and get by you on a passing route because I've just set you up with misdirection where you don't really know what's coming at you. And so if a receiver's out there and he knows it's a certain run play and he's away from the ball and he's like, all right, the ball's going all the way to the outside, the other side of the field, I'm not really going to go block this guy. I'm just going to kind of jog off the line, do whatever, you know? And then, so now that guy's like, okay, so I know right away if he's being lazy like that, I know where the ball's going. And, and, you know, he starts figuring it out. So you can never let the guy across from you figure out what you're doing. You always got to keep them just confused. And like, you gotta, you gotta make them play your game. You can't have to, you can't make them, you, you can't try to play their game basically. So the side that's going to manipulate the other one, the best and abide by all these game principles, the best is going to be the side that's going to win almost every single time because they know how to exploit the opponent and they control the game. They don't let the opponent control the game. Yeah. I think it was Ed Reed actually. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that that said like he knew breaking the huddle were like, were three of the top receivers in the NFL were actually going to get the ball or not just based on how they came out of the huddle. Like if it was a runner or pass. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that comes back to tactics and understanding. Like we, we said off air, right? Like, 
everybody says work backwards from the game, but not everybody has a roadmap to understand how to do that. So that's what we're trying to do with this book series is give people that roadmap, get them to really understand the game principles better. And the best part about the game principles presented in the book is that they abide to or, or every team sport abides by those principles. So creating space is a universal offensive principle. It doesn't matter what the sport is, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, hockey, water polo, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Like that's just a, a universal offensive principle and everything that goes into that is going to be universal across team sports. So that's what's, I think that's the value of the book. So we provide this roadmap where, yeah, we use football as like the primary example in the book, but you can take these and then apply them to other sports as well. And like we said off air, if you tell a kid to go to the film room and watch film, he might sit there for three hours and watch film and say, okay, like coach is happy. I got in the film room. I saw a couple thousand clips or whatever, you know, hundreds of clips I was watching, but I don't really know what I'm looking for. Right. They're just saying they just tell you to get in the film room. So, so if you tell like a physical prep coach, like just work backwards from the game, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to think how much running are they doing? Like just, which, which is valuable. You need to understand that stuff, but there's so many other things that are going on to understand the true game context. And that's our goal with this series is to provide people with that roadmap. So now they start thinking about preparation as sports performance rather than strength and conditioning and um, understanding everything that it goes into sports performance and all the stuff we really need to understand, which is a lot of work. But if you want to really improve sports performance, it, it's necessary to have a generalist approach to all of these areas and understand them. So then where was one spot where Cam really took and was like, Ooh, better fix that. <laughs> um, definitely understanding uh, the brain side of things, right? So everything from understanding perceptual cognitive speed, and that's what got, really got me down the rabbit hole of understanding um, using games and open reactive activities in the training process. So I know you've had Nick DeMarco on this podcast from Elon University. He's a guy I talk to pretty much every day. Like we're texting nonstop. We're about the same age too. I think he's like one year younger than me, but we, we talk nonstop about this stuff because, you know, he, he played football. I played football. We're always trying to think of it from a player perspective. Like what what was holding us back as players? It wasn't necessarily that we were too weak or whatever it might be like physically. We were able to keep up, but there was a perceptual cognitive element that was holding us back to where we feel like that's something that can truly be developed. So. On top of that is also the psychological aspect that goes into that. So that, that ties into it a little bit is getting players to understand what they're looking for, keep their mindset right. Because a lot of times when I'm running game based activities, if a guy gets juked out like that's psychologically kind of stressful, right? Like you, nobody wants to get juked out. But I try to remind the kids like, listen, when you get juked out, that's a learning opportunity. Don't think of that as defeat. Think of that as like, why did I get juked out? Like, how do I understand? Were my eyes on his face instead of his hips, right? That's the kind of stuff we can start developing is like, where are the eyes? How, how do I perceive first and then act in response to what I'm seeing, right? How do we develop that? And it's totally something that can be developed. It drives me nuts when people say like, that's you can't develop like vision or game speed or something like that. Because I'm like, well, at some point you had to learn how to do that. So even if it was like youth football or youth soccer or whatever, at some point you were connecting what you were seeing and perceiving to what you were doing in the sport. So there's obviously a way to, to learn how to do that. So if we, if we can take that snapshot and bring that into the training process, even in the off season, now we're always keeping that brain body connection and that perceptual cognitive speed being revved up. And we're not getting too far away from it at, at any point in the year. Um, yes, we have to stagger that 
with closed activities and just movement-based qualities because we need to improve outputs as well, but we can't do that at the expense of ignoring that perceptual cognitive element. And then that ties into just psychologically as well. Behaviorally, I think that's a, a whole nother field of information that we're tending to ignore. And I think that that's something that's largely important is understanding not just sports psychology in terms of how the player behaves and handles game pressures, but who they are as a person in general, right? Like person first, athlete second. How do we just understand basic human behavior and how does that then carry over to the way they behave in the sport? And I think that's a whole nother level because if you look at professional athletes, they're drafted because they have exceptional physical ability. They have exceptional technical ability or sometimes they don't and they make up for it with exceptional physical, but they definitely have all the physical ability in the world. That's not their limitation. That's why we recruit kids and that's why we draft kids. So we want it, We need to support that, obviously, and maintain whatever they've got. And if we can get a little bit more out of that, great. But why do guys fail when they reach the professional level? More often than not, it's one of two things. It's one, they don't understand the tactics of the game well enough, right? They don't understand what they need to do. They're not studying the playbook. They just they can't use their physical gifts properly because they just don't know where to be when they're on the field. And then the other one would be psychological collective, which is they just can't handle the pressure of being a pro athlete, right? All the attention, all of the, the all of the haters, all of the fans, all of that stuff, just like all this money that's being thrown at them right now. How do I live my life and balance it in the face of all this stuff? A lot of times that is what's holding people back. And that's going to affect everything else, obviously. They all tie together. But that's those are two areas that I'm really interested in right now is really understanding the game better tactically and then also trying to understand just uh, human psychology as it relates to how people behave in general and then also how that will then translate to sports psychology and how they behave on the field. I love all of that being mixed in together right there. I especially love the Nick DeMarco reference. Might be a reason to get you down here in next July. Um, hint, hint, hint. Star, star, star. Not sure if I can say that out loud for sure yet. But, um, yes, I'm a big Nick DeMarco fan. Um, Me too. I'm also a big fan of the fact that you brought up not just these open drills that really right now, these are like the Swiss balls of the 90s, man. Like These are like the coolest thing that anybody's ever seen. And it's like this is the most... <laughs> pun intended game changing activity that you could ever do. But the idea of needing to have the techniques and the outputs improve alongside of it are something that there are people like myself who have been kind of arguing alongside of it. It's like, you can't just go out there and do this random stuff and think they're going to get better at everything. No, there's, right. There's a reason why you don't have a 14 year old driving the 24 hour Lamas. Right. Um, so that's brilliant. I love that, man. And, and I think that this is absolutely killer stuff. And Cam, what, let's get people out here on this. Where can they see more of what you're doing, dude? Where can they, they find out more of not just the book, but what Cam's doing with his coaching and, and moving forward? Uh, yeah, that's the tricky part because I actually gave up social media. Um, that was something where I was trying to post a lot of what I was doing there. Um, I gave it up for personal reasons. I wanted to make sure I had a better relationship with my wife. I wanted to improve my ability to coach. All of that was being limited by me just trying to film guys all the time, caring about what people were saying too much on social media. The other thing too is I wanted to get away from kind of just opinionated information. I want to get back to factual information. So instead of having social media where I'm looking at what people are talking about, instead I 
I use Google Scholar now. That's like my information resource where I'm saying, if I want to learn about a certain topic, I just type it into Google Scholar and I, and I can look at stuff from 2019, like the most recent research on any area I want, psychology, plyometrics, you know, whatever, strength training, and it just pops right up. And this is real objective research for the most part, right? So that, that's how I get all my information now instead of using social media. But what I do do is uh, I think about once a week, I send Joe some video footage of what we're doing here. So if you go on Joe DeFranco's Instagram, Joe DeFranco's Twitter, a lot of it is just Joe DeFranco himself because obviously he's trying to promote the stuff he's doing too because he's trying to appeal to a whole bunch of people, not just sports performance oriented people. But I send him footage uh, once a week that he puts up, it's usually every Wednesday, sometimes on Fridays. And that's the work I'm doing here where it's kind of like Wednesdays with Cam or whatever he calls it. I don't even know because I don't even see him. But I send him that stuff. And that, that's a way to follow what I'm doing. But a lot of what I'm going to start trying to do is just actual writing and things like that. Because my, my obviously the process coming out with Fergus. So Fergus' stuff, you follow Fergus Connolly. He's going to have a lot of stuff that will feature me going forward as well. And because um, a big issue I had with social media was that I was just kind of like diarrhea of the mouth or of the fingers, I guess you would call it, right? So I'm just like posting stuff without really thinking it through. And there's a lot of stuff I used to post I would never do anymore. So for me, by by writing stuff this way, now I can really think it through and take the time. And if I'm writing it halfway through and I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? I don't have to post it anywhere, right? <laughs> like it's I can take my time and put it out there. Um, so yeah, following me, I, I do have a YouTube channel as well. So if you just type my name into YouTube, You'll see some footage of what we're doing here. Um, so that's probably a good way to see like my athletes doing stuff and some of the activities I'm working with. And I have the games on there and things like that. Um, so I would say that's probably the best place. But also, yeah, Joe DeFranco's social media and then Fergus Connolly's social media will both start to feature me heavily going forward. So that's that's kind of where you can find me at this point. <laughs> nah, man, I love it. And I think that all too often we're attached too much to these phones and all that stuff. But Cam, this is sensational stuff, and we'll make sure that YouTube channel is linked underneath. And really stoked to get my hands on the book and see the work you guys put together. I can't thank you enough for all the work that it was to put that together. Uh, I'm fired up for it, man. Me too, man. I hope people, uh, you know, they can they can like it or hate it. it doesn't matter to me. The information is going to be out there, and hopefully, it's uh, at least helps some people the way it helped me. The information that we put in there, so. Thanks for having me again, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being on and, and all you're doing, brother. And we'll be in touch real soon. Awesome, man. Sounds good. Yeah, bud. And a huge thanks to Cam Joss for spending the time with us today. Guys, just some open, honest, candid sharing. A guy breaking down what he's doing, where these ideas have come from, how he's evolved, and these directions that he's taken to move these things forward. I can't thank Cam enough for being so open, honest, and candid with his sharing. And Cam, keep up the great work. Love what you're doing with the YouTube channel. Guys, the link to his channel is in the show notes. Make sure you hop down there and subscribe as soon as you're done here. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.